With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Wednesday, so it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, what's going on? Uh, Nothing much. You know, just a, another week, another post-game loss discussion. You know, same old, same old. How are you doing, Scott? Wait a second, Manish. Wait a second. You say nothing much. So you're trying to say that on a garden variety week... The star running back on a team starts taking shots at the head coach, and the head coach in a press <laughs> conference more or less takes a shot right back at him. This happens on a regular basis? Uh, I think in Jetland, it seems like uh, <laughs> this is part of the course. But you look, it was, you know, it was a bit unusual, honestly, obviously. Uh, when Le'Veon Bell starts liking social media posts about how he should be used more in the run game and how the Jets might be better off trading him because <clears throat> Adam Gase isn't using him right. I think it's uh, you know fairly obvious that you know Bell wasn't happy with the way he was deployed with the 13 with 13 14 carries. He only had that one catch, one target, even in a 20 point blowout loss. And and what I'll say about Le'Veon Bell is look, he has said publicly uh, that. It doesn't necessarily matter how many touches he gets, as long as the team's winning. You know, if he gets you know a dozen touches, but the, the the Jets win the game, I think he's fine with that. Now he said that publicly. I know privately he has told people the exact same thing. There's no reason 
not to think that's true. Uh, but where the frustration comes in, and, and this is dating back to last season, is that when he is not touching the ball and they are losing, and they are losing big, that's where the angst comes. And that's understandable because, look, this was a guy uh, not that long ago was arguably the best dual threat running back in the NFL. He's obviously not that now, but he has a varied skill set that this roster, this offense, obviously could use. It's the worst offense in football. Why wouldn't you use Le'Veon Bell you know, to, 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 to his strengths? Uh, what I thought was interesting, though, this week was that Adam Gase came out on Monday and said he wished that uh, – you know, players, you know, including Bell, wouldn't you know, take that social media route. Uh, he wishes that uh, Le'Veon, in this particular case, would have just come to him directly. And and there's a bit of irony in that statement from this head coach, because Adam Gase has made a uh, history of trashing his players behind the scenes, whining, complaining, passing off blame to his players rather than taking ownership. This is all behind the scenes. Now, he's not going to come out publicly and trash a guy at least i don't remember uh an instance when he's done that maybe he has but privately that's his mo you know that's how he operates so for him to say that a player should be more direct with him i thought was pretty funny because why don't you practice what you preach and this is what i know and this is what i wrote this week is that Le'Veon bell last year was frustrated more times than not during the week with the offensive game plan However, he did not whine. These are discussions that he had with people in the building, teammates. Uh, you know, players talk amongst each other, and they, and they say, "Hey, you know, how do you how do you feel about how we're we're attacking this opponent this week?" And more times than not, Le'Veon Bell was not happy with Adam Gase's game plan, uh, but he didn't whine about it. He didn't complain. He genuinely wanted to make it work. And this is all privately. This is not just you know lip service that Le'Veon Bell is giving to reporters and to fans and on social media. This is genuinely how he felt. He did not think it was a winning strategy, typically, uh, but he wanted to make it work. And then when the game was over and the Jets lost and the offense struggled, and the offense struggled uh, plenty of times last year, uh, what he thought would happen actually came to fruition. A bad plan turned out to be bad. But he, he, he's kept a good outlook you know, throughout all of this. Privately, he's kept a good outlook. And that, that, to me, matters more than what a lot of these people say publicly. Uh, that being said, this offseason, he did confide in people, Le'Veon Bell, that is, and say, hey, look, if things don't change, uh, if we don't reverse course and we still go as an offense and we continue to go down this path, uh, it's likely that I'll request a trade. Now, that wasn't any kind of demand, and it's not something that Le'Veon Bell necessarily wanted. He wanted, again, to make it work, and I think you saw that with the dedication that he had this offseason. He came in in incredible shape. Uh, he had a renewed optimism, uh, a genuinely positive outlook about how he could help turn around this offense. So it's not a, as if he came into the season uh, thinking, I want to be traded. He just bounced this off of some people privately that if things go really south and there is no hope and all hope is lost, then, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of want to get out of here. Uh, so, you know, we're five weeks into the season, only two games into Le'Veon Bell's season because he was hurt. And Adam Gase has really pushed him to the brink. And that opens up a different discussion that you, can, you and I can have, Scott. How feasible is it that he could be traded? Because he doesn't want to take a pay cut. Because if he wanted to take a pay cut, the Jets who were shopping him at the deadline last year would have traded him. Uh, he would have to take a significant pay cut and or the team would have to eat a significant portion of uh, his guaranteed base salary. He's owed $8.5 million this year. 
Uh, the trade deadline's in a couple weeks. We're talking about roughly $5 million that he would still be owed. Uh, would he take a pay cut, a big one, or would the Jets be willing to you know, eat some of that money to uh, divorce themselves of this player? And those are questions that you know, are unanswered right now. That certainly does open up an interesting discussion, Manish, because as you reported in the New York Daily News, the Jets are now shopping Le'Veon Bell actively. So the question becomes, would he be willing to take a pay cut to make this happen? If not, are the Jets willing to eat a significant portion of the salary? If either of those things happen, what could they even get for him? It's a really tough situation because I don't think that there's any way that this ends positively now. What I think would be the best course of action would be for Adam Gase to go to Le'Veon Bell, meet with him privately and say, look, Lev, you and I, we're probably never going to be best friends. I'm not going to be sending you Christmas cards. You're not going to be showing up at my house on Thanksgiving. But we've got a mutual interest here. The Jets are probably firing me at the end of the season, and they're probably cutting you. So let's work together and do the best we can to help each other. I'll try to put you in the best position to succeed so it makes me look good. You go out there and try your hardest and try to do everything you can for me so you look good so that when I get let go and you get let go, we've got suitors when this is all over with. I think that would make the most sense, but precisely because I think that would make the most sense, I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, it is an unorthodox approach. What I think is funny is that I remember in the off season, or certainly before the regular season started, uh, or maybe it was actually was dating back to after last season, I remember you and I talking about how a, a conversation like that should happen. And, and the fact that it didn't happen is odd. Uh, and I think if you just kind of fast forward to this week, Le'Veon Bell liked these tweets, I believe, you know, Sunday evening, right after the game. Uh, Adam Gase did not address the media until Monday afternoon. And obviously he was aware or should have been aware uh, of these, uh, you know, likings or however you want to describe it uh, by Bell. So he should have been aware that Bell had done this stuff. So a, str- a strategically smart move before you address the media when you have all this time uh, in between the player liking the tweets and you speaking to reporters uh, would have been to reach out to Bell. Don't you think that makes the most sense? So that when you do brief the reporters, you say, yes, Lavian and I already talked about it. But I think, as is the case so many times with Adam Gase, he is not proactive with players. He will wait until players approach him. We, you know, we've seen this in a number uh, of different ways uh, in his time with the Jets. Uh, I think the, the one that jumps out, obviously, was when uh, Sam Darnold approached Gase last year when he was struggling. Uh, he had to make the first move instead of the coach actually being proactive and going to the young player. And even last year with Le'Veon Bell, when he had a few touches in a blowout loss in Jacksonville midway through the season, uh, you know, Bell had to reach out to, to uh, Adam Gase. It's a pattern. So this isn't any kind of coincidence. Adam Gase is not a leader. He does not galvanize. He does not, he's not a problem solver. Now, he waits until someone approaches him to smooth things over. And if that person doesn't uh, approach him, then things fester. And, you know, that's just how this guy is. And that's unfortunate because it's, it's not befitting a leader. It's certainly not befitting a good leader or a head coach. So uh, your approach and your suggestion is interesting. It certainly can't hurt. Uh, and, again, unless, unless the Jets and Bell you know, change their stance, which is as a team, yes, we'll you know, pay a big freight of your salary to go away, or as a player – I'm willing to take a pay cut to get out of Dodge, 
then then he won't be moved. Uh, you know, it's a big step for Bell to take the pay cut because he did sat, sit out a full season in Pittsburgh because he didn't believe he was paid what he was worth. He lost out on, you know, $14, $15 million, you know, whatever you thought he was going to get. And, uh, and he wasn't willing to budge last year. So the question for Bell is, is pretty simple, which is how unbearable do you think the next three months are going to be with the Jets? Uh, and how important is the you know, five or so million dollars that you're owed by the Jets? Uh, because if your happiness is more important than the money, then it's obviously a no-brainer, right? Uh, you tell the team, you know, find me another place to go, and then I'll work out a restructure and, and get paid, I don't know, 20 cents on the dollar, 30 cents on the dollar, because it's just too unbearable for me to be around this place and around this head coach anymore. But if the money matters uh, to you, then you know you kind of grin and bear it, and you, you know what this coach is, and you know you're going to lose a lot of games over the next uh, 11 weeks. And then, uh, you know, then, then you part ways after the season, but you part ways with, uh, you know, a full bank account. So you know, those are questions that only Le'Veon Bell knows the answer to. I just know the guy is a competitive person. It's, you know, that is definitely not lip service. And, uh, you know, losing and not being involved really burns this guy. And I think that's why he was so frustrated after the game that he didn't want to talk, uh, you know, you know, he did that actually after the Jacksonville game as well. Uh, you know, typically, you know, he's a he's pretty open uh, and, and available. But uh, I think that he has been pushed to the brink by this head coach, and uh, he's at a watershed moment right now, personally. Manish, I got to hand it to you. You are one heck of a multitasker, or you were holding out on me because. As you were just talking, your report just went up over at the Daily News and the tweet, of course, up at your Twitter account, at MMetaNYDN, about the breaking news that Le'Veon Bell has been released. The Jets tried to trade him. They were unable to find somebody that was willing to take the $6 million remaining on his contract for this season, so he is now free and clear. Here's the statement from the Jets. After having conversations with Le'Veon and his agent and exploring potential trade options over the last couple of days, we've made the decision to release Le'Veon. The Jets organization appreciates Le'Veon's efforts during his time here, and we know he worked hard to make significant contributions to the team. We believe this decision is in the best interests of both parties and wish him future success. What an unbelievable ending to something that fans were celebrating when the move was made because the Jets were able to get an elite player in his prime. But mismanagement, broken promises, fractured relationships, all of that played into what happened. As you had reported, Manish, and you just talked about this, the Jets were trying to trade him in the offseason. They were even considering trading him at the trade deadline last year. The injury this year made it a lot more difficult early on, and then now nobody was willing to take that contract, as I said. So... Le'Veon Bell, the second star player out with the New York Jets in the last couple of months. The other one, of course, being Jamal Adams. This is a stunning development. I thought that if they couldn't trade him, the Jets would at least try to sit down and iron this out with him. But instead, they choose to release him. And so now we're going to see nothing but Frank Gore the rest of the season, which is going to be really frustrating for Jets fans to watch. 
almost as frustrating as watching Trevon Wesco carry the ball in a key third and one early in the game, which is something that Adam Gase alluded to in his Monday presser. Now, normally these Monday pressers don't tell you much. The coaches are very tight-lipped, and it's the usual coach speak. But this year, Adam Gase has said a variety of eyebrow-raising things at these Monday pressers. And this Monday probably topped all the previous Monday press conferences so far this season. He had a bizarre explanation for why they gave the ball to Wesco on that third and one, saying that it had worked in the past. They'd only done it once in the past, and I guess maybe it worked in practice, but I don't see how that translates to anything when it comes to a game. He had an extremely strange explanation for why he called that running play on second and 26. And then Gay said he's been considering relinquishing play-calling duties, which blows my mind because... The whole sell for Adam Gase when he came here is that he's this offensive mastermind who's going to bring Darnold and the offense to the next level. Now, with everything struggling, he's going to give the play-calling duties to Dow Loggins. I assume that's who it would go to. I have to say, though, in some ways I'm curious how that would turn out because I've been wondering if there was any way for this offense to get even worse. And maybe Dow Loggins calling the plays is the only way it could get worse. So, Manish, talk to me about this Monday presser. Once again, Gase making news and not in a positive way. Well, first and foremost, uh, I am surprised that the Jets released Le'Veon Bell. Joe Douglas could not get any compensation in return. Uh, obviously, his contract uh, was difficult to move. There's an $8 million injury guarantee for 2021 that uh, wasn't particularly appealing for interested teams. And uh, the Jets simply could not make it work. So Joe Douglas gets nothing in return uh, Le'Veon Bell played 17 games, I believe, for the Jets. He averaged 3.3 yards a carry. His career is really at a crossroads right now. Before he arrived, he was arguably the best dual-threat running back in the National Football League. Now he's looking to revive his career somewhere else. I'm sure he'll get an opportunity, obviously not for the dollars uh, that were, uh, you know, that were that he was scheduled to get. Uh, in 2021 and 2022 in the final two years of his four-year deal that he signed with the Jets. But uh, a surprising development. Look, you look all across the league with teams that have young quarterbacks, whether it's the Bills, the Browns, uh, the Cardinals, they have one thing in common. They fortified their offenses by bringing in help for these young signal callers. The Jets have now taken away one of the few offensive weapons that Sam Darnold actually had at his disposal in Le'Veon Bell. So how can you truly evaluate Sam Darnold over the remaining two and a half months of this season? It's a critical time for Darnold and for the organization. You've just taken away Le'Veon Bell. So you're looking at Jamison Crowder and uh, you know, a bunch of uh, replaceable pieces. It's an unfortunate situation for Darnold. That's the byproduct of all of this. Uh, I just think it's really the latest example of how this is a dysfunctional organization. Uh, the Jets in the past did not like allusions uh, to being a circus. Well, I think if you are objective about what has transpired over the last year or so, that's absolutely what the Jets are right now. They are a circus. As you said, they lost or traded away Jamal Adams. They cut Le'Veon Bell, didn't re-sign Robbie Anderson. And these are comical moves. And uh, you can talk about uh, ha having a plan and building for the future but, uh, you know, Adam Gase is running the show here incredibly. Uh, Joe Douglas, uh, I thought, would, uh, you know, try to carve his own path, but clearly he is uh, placating his head coach. We'll see how long 
uh, Adam Gase is the head coach for this team, but the moves that have been made this offseason really for the past year have been puzzling, to say the least. Le'Veon Bell being cut without, without getting any uh, compensation is pretty laughable. Uh, you know, just given who Le'Veon Bell was and what he did, I know he's not the player he used to be, but clearly he's somebody that you should have gotten something in return if you wanted to move on from him. So, you know, just a multifaceted disaster by this organization. Uh, and frankly, Scott, it's not entirely surprising. Uh, and as far as the press conference goes, there was just so much nonsensical babble in there. And it's it rattles your mind and it gives you a headache because if you're a rational person, you listen to what he's saying, and you scratch your head and think to yourself, there's no possible way that a head coach could actually believe what's coming out of his mouth right now. It doesn't make any sense. Look, let's just start with the Wesco play. Now, now Gay said that they, they have been able to get a yard on that play, uh, and so he was surprised that, <laughs> that the tight end, who was the de facto running back on a dive play, didn't get the yard. Uh, I can think of one play in Trayvon Wesco's career in which he had a carry. Maybe he had it more than once, but he gained two yards against the Giants last year. So I don't know when Gase says, well, this is a play that we can, we've can we gotten a yard on in the past. I don't know if he's talking about practice, but if you're talking about practice, it doesn't make any sense because you're not tackling to the ground typically in practice. So if the play works in practice, if a handoff on a fullback dive works in practice, that's not indicative of anything because <laughs> – it's practice, and you're not typically tackling to the ground. So, you know, any true fullback, obviously any tailback, would have seen the hole that was uh, open on the right side on that play. Uh, you know, Trayvon Wesco is not accustomed to carrying the ball, so he didn't see it. So he ran up against, I believe it was George Vance back, and, and got stuffed for a loss. That, to me, was a ridiculous play. It actually conjured up images uh on a play that happened in Tennessee a couple of years ago when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator. They were near the goal line, and instead of handing it off to Derrick Henry, he handed it off to a tight end who I think had never had a carry uh, prior uh, in college or in the pros. I think the last time he carried the ball, and, I, and the guy's name escapes me because he was so irrelevant, but I think that the last time the tight end on Tennessee carried the ball was in high school. So I, I just saw that Trayvon Wesco play and the Tennessee Titan play jumped out in my mind. Either way, just a just a, a horrible decision. And then the, the second and 26. Look, you're down by two touchdowns, like four minutes into the fourth quarter. Two scores, two touchdowns. Second and 26, you know, on your own 35, somewhere around there. Why in the world would you hand off to Frank Gore? I, I don't understand that. And the explanation just defied logic. Uh, Gates said that that's a play that they ran earlier in the game, and it popped. So they were hoping for it to pop. So they could get into a third and manageable, a third and 10 or less is how he described it. So let's think about this logically and let's look at the numbers. It's second and 26. Gore is hoping, I'm sorry, Gase is hoping that he can get into a third and 10 or less. So in effect, he's hoping to gain 16 yards on that play. Well, Frank Gore is averaging 3.2 yards a carry this season. And Frank Gore's season-long carry was 13 yards. So, look, that play had ne never had a chance to succeed. Why you wouldn't pass on second and 26 down by two scores in the fourth quarter is beyond me. It, it's, it's so, it's so mind-boggling. It's, it, it's so ludicrous that it's laughable. I, mean, I, I can't think of any other reaction other than laughing your, you know, just laughing your, your butt off and, and rolling your eyes. And, and then he talked about how, how and why LaMichael Pirine 
could get no offensive snaps. And he said it, it was because he didn't want it to stunt. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, I'm sorry, this like recounting it in my head makes me laugh, Scott. He said that he didn't give P. Ryan any snaps because he didn't want to stunt his growth by giving him too much and putting too much on his plate. Well, I think running back is probably the easiest position to transition from college to the pros. You know, they're rookie running backs every single year who do really well. And Michael P. Ryan had already played a few times uh, earlier this season, including last week. So it, the, it doesn't make any sense that he would sit there and say that P. Ryan got no snaps because he didn't want to stunt his growth and put too much on his plate. Meanwhile, he's handing the ball off to a 37-year-old running back as part of a rotation with Le'Veon Bell. It's just, you know, it's exasperating. I'm, look, I'm not a Jet fan, but I feel for Jet fans because explanations like that and uh, situations like that are just so ridiculous and so silly. It's an embarrassment to the organization. It's obviously a reflection on how bad of a coach this guy is. And and it's part of the reason, Scott, why the Jets are a punchline. They are a laughing stock in this league. I talk to enough people on other teams players, coaches, front office, executives, general managers, people are laughing at the New York Jets because of uh, explanations like what I just outlined. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, let's go from what you termed, I think correctly, the comical to the more serious and talk some injuries. Where do we stand with Sam Darnold, Denzel Mims, and everybody else who didn't play on Sunday? Well, the, the, the two headliners, obviously, are Sam Darnold and Mekhi Becton, who's dealing with the shoulder issue. And with Mekhi Becton, 
it's uh, as Adam Gase has said, it's a strength issue. Does he have the the requisite strength to play? And you know, I'll point back to the disastrous decision and reckless decision and irresponsible decision to play him four days after he got hurt in Indianapolis. Uh, he obviously didn't have the strength four days after he got hurt because he didn't have the strength seven days after he got hurt to play. And we'll find out if he's got the strength 14 days after he got hurt, uh, you know, if he can play against Miami this weekend. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it's a point that's worth discussing, again, because this is one of the few promising young players you have on your roster. And you just you just behaved in such a reckless and clueless manner. And now you're just waiting until the guy gets his strength back before he can actually play. So that's where Beckton stands. Sam Darnold, also a pain tolerance issue. I don't think it makes sense for Darnold to play this week. What are you playing for? Uh, do you want to exacerbate the injury like you exacerbated it with Mekhi Beckton? Or do you want to take the cautious approach, make sure that there is no pain? Because I think, with Darnold and this injury, you know, I think, you know, the pain comes and goes. And that might be the way that it is for another week or so. I don't know. Uh, I think the Jets are officially, you know, classifying his injury as week to week. I just don't see uh, any reason to put him out there if he's feeling pain, even if it's intermittent pain throughout the course of the week. Uh, you know, I-, I wouldn't put it past the Jets just because of the decision makers that they have in place right now. But the obvious smart choice is to not play Darnold this week. And then Denzel Mims is dealing with a hamstring injury. Hamstring injuries, as we've talked about, you know, for for five weeks, are unpredictable. Uh, He obviously needs to have a a full week of practice or close to a full week of practice before you can feel confident in rolling him out. So Wednesday will be an important day for all three of these guys, frankly, because in my estimation, if Sam Darnold doesn't practice Wednesday – uh, you know, this is not a 15-year veteran here. This is a third-year quarterback, second year in this system, who is struggling. If he only gets a partial week of practice in this week, then he should not play on Sunday. Manish, last order of business, while we're on the topic of Sam Darnold, there's been some buzz going around about the possibility of the Jets being willing to move on from him, even perhaps as soon as the trade deadline You saw that article that was put out by Adam Schefter where he was saying that executives around the league don't expect the Jets to be able to get a first-round pick. Now, obviously, all it takes is one team and you can get a first-round pick, so anything's possible. But I did find it interesting that this is coming out now. Do you think there's any real possibility that the Jets could move on from Sam Darnold as soon as the trade deadline? Because to me, it seems like it would make a lot more sense to do it after the season if you're going to do it at all. I would be stunned if they traded Sam Darnold at the trade deadline. Now, this team has made some stunning moves in the recent past, but I don't see how that makes any sense at all because if you're trading him in two weeks, uh, you're essentially saying that you have completed your evaluation on Sam Darnold. Uh, five games, or actually for him, four games into his second year with Adam Gase, four games into his third season in the NFL. I I don't believe that that will happen. If they are going to move on from Sam Darnold, I think a lot of that would be predicated on how Darnold plays over the remainder of the season when he returns. Uh, it will also depend, obviously, on where the Jets are drafting because, as I've said before, if the Jets have the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, will be a New York Jet unless he doesn't want to play for the Jets. But the Jets will not pass up the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence. If they don't have the number one pick, then uh, Sam Darnold's future 
may still be here uh, in 2021. Who knows? But, uh, you know, this notion of cutting the cord on Sam Darnold in the next two weeks, again, this team has made some odd choices in the past, so you don't want to entirely shut the door on that possibility. But I think that uh, going back to what I said earlier, the Jets are a laughing stock. If it's possible that they could be more of a laughing stock, uh, you know, trading Sam Darnold in the next two weeks would probably do that. Manish is somebody who's been a Jets season ticket holder for 35 years and considers himself a bit of a Jets historian. Trust me, it's absolutely possible for them to be more of a laughing stock. <laughs> Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. I know you got plenty cooking in the Daily News as we get ready for the Jets' first matchup of the season with the Miami Dolphins this Sunday. Things got flipped around. That was supposed to be later in the year, but now it's going to be the Dolphins this week, the Chargers later in the season. So what's going on at the Daily News? Well, it's another matchup with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, mm-hmm. and there's probably you know, no hotter quarterback right now. I mean, there's guys who are you know on fire from, from week one, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, uh, but right now Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing pretty good football coming off that three-touchdown game in the upset over the 49ers. So I'm sure that uh, I'll be writing something about Fitzpatrick this week. Plenty to read about the man with the most bodacious beard in the NFL if you check out Manisha's work in the Daily News this week. So go ahead and do that. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.